Good morning. Welcome to Bethel Baptist Church this morning, and uh, we are looking forward to a great time around God's Word this morning. Uh, just looking forward a little bit, we are going to uh, continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, always looking forward to uh, those opportunities uh, for preaching. But this morning, we are focusing a little bit more on resurrection power. And uh, we see that uh, from the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, especially uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, uh, verses 11 through 21. And we're going to get there in just a few minutes, but we need to begin by just making the overall statement that every single person is different. Every person in this church is different. We have different backgrounds, different races, different families, different neighborhoods, but there is something we all have in common. We have struggles and uh, that we're dealing with, uh, and frankly, struggles are common to everyone. Now, whether or not you are a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, you uh, probably have uh, issues and trials and problems and struggles and hurts that you are wrestling with and dealing with, whether it's COVID-19 or an arterial surgery or any other number of maladies. The, the truth is, it is simply a part of life. If you were to make the statement, I don't have a problem in the world. Well, you probably need to check your pulse. Are you even breathing? Truthfully, there is an incredible difference between a believer in Jesus Christ and a non-believer. The reality is, is this, that one faces their problems with the power of Jesus Christ dwelling within them and one faces their problem without the power of Christ. The big idea this morning is simply this. Jesus has the power of the resurrection to radically transform lives. Jesus said this. After his resurrection, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus has that resurrection power. And he has shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 from the New Living Translation. Do you have any concept of the immensity of that power, the absolute life-changing power of God to bring one out of the darkness and into the light? If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have that power. So let's begin with this question this morning. Have you ever made the resurrection of Jesus Christ real in your life? Now, the question is, is that a reality? Or, frankly, just an inconvenient fact that crosses your mind from time to time and you mainly just put it out of the way. I remember the day when the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that life-changing transaction became personal for me. On October 3rd, 1981, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, 
Can you remember a day like that? Maybe today could be that day for you. It's so vital and so important. Well, the big question is, why is this? Our focus this morning is on 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 11 through 21. Follow along with me as I read. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also to your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but we are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For we, for if we rather, are besides ourselves, uh, it is for God. And if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for them, excuse me, for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him no longer in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave him gave us rather the ministry of reconciliation namely that God was in Christ reconciling to the the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This morning, there are a couple of key concepts that we need to recognize. First of all, the love of God controls us it controls us it it compels us it it constrains us uh, depending on on which version of the scriptures you're using the love of God controls us the apostle Paul had his share of problems had his share of issues but what compelled him to keep going what motivated him what was the driving force of his life Verse 14 tells us it's the love of Christ that compels him. How does he know? He, because he experienced it. Paul was spiritually dead in his sins, separated from God, and yet Paul realized that Christ died for every one of those sins. Look at, look at uh, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. It controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all died. 
And he died for all so that they who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Jesus Christ did not just love Paul, but he died for Paul's sins. His love was wide enough and deep enough for the entire world. In fact, in verse 19, it says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are spiritually dead in our sins. You think about Ephesians chapter 2. But verse 14 tells us, for the love of Christ controls us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. We have a sin problem, which creates a divide between us and God. Christ spanned that gap by dying for our sins on the cross. Romans chapter Five and verse eight says, "But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us." Galatians chapter four, or excuse me, chapter one, verse four says this: "Who gave Himself for our sins, so that He might rescue us from this present evil age?" First Peter chapter two and verse twenty-four says, "And He Himself." bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. People wonder, could Christ really love me after all that I've done? He has already answered that question. All you have to do is look at the cross and know that he loves you. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, universities may uh, exclude you if you aren't smart enough. Uh, businesses may exclude you if you aren't qualified enough. And even some churches may exclude you if you aren't good enough. But Christ includes you in what he did on the cross of Calvary because he loves you. Our second point this morning is simply this. Reconciliation gives you purpose in life. Reconciliation gives purpose in life. So many people just exist without any real purpose in life. They, they lived to themselves and they died to themselves. Life is a mundane routine without any real higher purpose. However, when the resurrection of Jesus becomes real in your life, all of that changes. Listen to this. Verse 15 says, And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but... For him who has died and rose again on their behalf. Life now has purpose. Your life now has purpose. And that is to bring glory to Jesus Christ forever. And to live your life according to his pleasure. 
We simply can't do that on our own until that sin problem is dealt with. We are by nature self-centered, self-pleasing, self-serving at our very core. But Jesus Christ delivers us from these destructive attitudes. When his resurrection is made real in your life, you are so overwhelmed with gratitude that your purpose now becomes to please and to glorify him at all costs. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse 9 says this, Therefore, we also have it as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. When Christ's resurrection is made real in your life, look, look at the results here. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is what happens when we are reconciled to God. Verse 18 says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. A surgeon may be able to do a great work in somebody's life. The banker may be able to give you a low interest rate of some sort. A fitness expert may be able to give you a new toned up body. A beautician may be able to give you a new hairdo. But only Jesus Christ can give you a new heart, a new life, a new way to walk and talk and think and live. Jesus Christ doesn't just give you an extreme makeover on some kind of an outward rehab. Jesus Christ changes you from the inside out. Because of his death, his burial, his resurrection, Jesus Christ has that life-changing power. The third thing we need to look at this morning is God's ministry of reconciliation. By all means, you must be reconciled to God. Look at verse 20, 19 and 20. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world, not counting them at their trespasses, and he has committed the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though we were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The word reconciliation literally means to settle or to resolve. It carries with it the idea of a state of hostility that has been brought to an end to bring two opposing parties back into fellowship. And here's what we're, what we're seeing here. We are begging you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God pleading with those who are struggling against sin, be reconciled to God. The first thing we have to do is to come to grips is that 
we all need God's forgiveness. We have broken God's law. We stand guilty before God. We deserve his wrath and we will incur his wrath unless reconciliation takes place. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 is incredibly clear when it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. How does that reconciliation take place? Notice verse 18. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's the deal. God and man are at enmity, at personal hostility toward one another because we violated God's law over and over and over again. But there is good news. God sent a mediator to this earth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 says this, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. He is, for lack of a better term, the bridge. He suffered and died for our sins. He took our place. He initiated the work of reconciliation by paying the price for our sins on the cross. But now, God awaits our response. What is God looking for? Well, I believe he's looking for us to humble ourselves and by faith accept what Christ has done on our behalf. When we do this, we receive Christ's righteousness. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been said that there are a thousand steps between God and man. Religion says that you have to walk those steps one by one by one. And then hope against hope that if you do get to the top, that when you've walked all of them correctly, that maybe God will accept you. The gospel says this. Here's the reality. God walks every step for you and then holds out his arms and says to you, I've done all for you. Will you come? Will you receive my son as the finished work that God has done for you? The moment you see your sinful and lost condition and cry out in faith to Christ, he has promised to save you. 
and become the object of his grace. L listen to this final verse. He, God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be nothing but sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. At that very moment, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will become more than just an event, more than just factual. It will be made real in your life. If you would like to have more information about receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please let myself or Pastor Ronnie know about the most important decision in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the clarity of the gospel. We thank you for the clarity of God's holy word. And Father, this morning we just simply ask that hearts and minds would be drawn to that gospel message and folks would come to know Christ as personal Savior. Father, this morning, we simply ask that you would do a work in our hearts and lives and that you would bring that gospel message home clearly to us. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.